Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. live and uh mic number one mic number one hope everything's working and it's all okay everything's okay there's nothing to worry about everything's okay the initial camera didn't work like it did last week but we're on this camera on camera two on camera two and we're live and we've got some chitter chatter going on in the chat already which is good um and it's all go it's all kicking off right then so we've got what's this hello hi sarah p.s i'm three weeks post to hold on now i'm doing the wrong way around doing the questions all the way around rachel could not get hold of that info regarding the bsal but it's also called brazilian lipo aspiration i think look it up for next week maybe okay yeah i did look up i did look at bsal yes uh Brazilian low power aspiration. I mean, um, basically, uh, liposuction is um, is liposuction, and there's loads of different types. Because there was that other one, wasn't there, which I actually meant to put on the list of questions. I thought it was non-invasive liposuction (NIL), but it was actually a new, new and something new sonic or something. Um, so this Brazilian thing might be the same as. Uh, uh the, this there's lots of different types of liposuction and basically i think the bottom line is look for your surgeon don't worry so much about the types of liposuction there's they're assisted in some way um to be honest we tend to use power assisted liposuction which means the machine but goes backwards and forwards there's others which are ultrasound assisted laser assisted and the new sonic one is um some kind of ultrasound assisted or something like that so uh but they're all uh variations of a theme and i don't think there's anything particular you can do different with them although they do say that you get skin retraction with some of those which you don't get with the others so that's something to look out for um that you need to look at their before and afters to see how significant that is whether it's worth it um so suzanne hi following a six hour op for a tummy tuck and lipo when is it reasonable to expect this overwhelming tiredness to go Second question, if possible, following time to life, so when do you recommend returning to fitness, gym, activity and yoga? P.S. I'm three weeks post-surgery. Suzanne, that is a long op. Um, I don't think you're my patient. Um, six hours, lipo and tummy tuck, that's a long one. Um, that is yeah, a long op, it's a long anaesthetic. And um, you that is going to take some time to... Um, to get over that tiredness, Suzanne. And three weeks is really early days. Um, so don't worry if you're still tired at three weeks. Um, so um, don't worry if you're still tired at three weeks. That is absolutely fine. Yeah, thank you. Don't worry, don't worry. Thank you. It's all fair. It's all fair. Um, so. You, especially for, I mean, the tummy tuck is a big op in, in anyone, and with liposuction is, um, 
I'm on duty. I'm the only only adult in the house, unfortunately. So uh, my wife is away. Yeah, Freddie, can you leave, please? Can you leave? Uh, okay, I'll be on. So um, I would say things. You know, you'd probably be seen about six weeks. So we normally see people about six weeks, and uh, you'd probably be seen around then. You might find mm -hmm. that things start getting back to normal at six weeks. Uh, three weeks you can start getting into your fitness activity yoga i think yoga it sounds benign yoga but i think it can be quite uh active can it so uh what i would say at three week mark uh, Suzanne, i would think it is good to start getting back into stuff like um passive things like uh, the exercise bike and the stepper and um, just not too uh, strenuous um and then nothing too active until that six weeks and that's for a normal one i think if you have a six hour op that's obviously going to be a little bit more than a normal one um so can you do, I wouldn't be choose, choose what my hand should be so choose i won't be surprised if it takes a bit longer than that um so hey. don't worry at three weeks Jojo. suzanne sarah and shona hi deb hi um Hanger. Can you do this afterwards, please? No. Um, hi, Simone. What hi, do you um, Right. Um, so what I would do now is I would do my questions, which is the reason for here. That's why we're here, isn't it? Let's face it. So, Suzanne, yeah. excellent. Thank you for that question. Um, we've got a question here, which I'm going to show. You know what? I normally have all... Here we go. Um, breast, plants, and pain. So, uh, this question here I'm a 50 year old female. I had breast implants 18 years ago under the muscle, never had any issues, and love them. Five months ago, I started having breast pain diagnosed as mustalgia stroke chondritis. And NHS did a mammogram and said implants are fine, intact, and still soft. Anti-inflammatory tables, as tablets, cured for a few weeks, but now it's back. Should I have the implants removed? And will this cure the problem? This patient, I think, has actually been to the clinic at the weekend and saw Kuram, my colleague. So I'm not sure what he said. So I hope I don't contradict what he said, but this is what my view is. Um, this is a tricky one. Uh, uh, you sometimes do see people who complain of pain with breast implants and sometimes people feel better when they are removed. So I tell this to people, I say, look, we do get people out there who have breast implants in and they say they're causing pain and uh, they feel better when they're removed. Usually breast implants cause pain when um, they've got a significant capsule contracture, which means they feel hard. Now you're saying yours are still soft. So if they're feeling hard, because um, they can sort of go rock hard after 18 years, um, then I'll be more inclined to say, yes, the pain is due to the implants um but if they're not if they're soft then i'd say from a sort of medical point of view it's less likely to be due to the implants and i would say that we couldn't guarantee that the, the pain will be improved if you have the implants removed as i say there is a very small and it is very small but it's they're out there people who have had symptoms including pain and illnesses uh, related to implants and they, they've got better when they're removed so i think uh, people often think implants are causing problems, but scientifically they haven't. Um, there isn't evidence to say that they would or should cause problems, especially after 18 years. So I'd be very worried about removing them if pain is your only symptom. I think I'd be very worried about that, and I would want probably suggest you see a breast surgeon, you know, a surgeon who deals in the sort of breast breast pain side of things 
that'd be a general surgeon rather than a plastic surgeon. A bit confusing. <laughs> a bit confusing because of the um, terminology there, which we can talk about in a minute. But yeah, a breast surgeon who will probably be a general surgeon who specialises in breast and would be deal more with breast pain and what have you. Um, I think, yeah, because you said you love them. So I think I would be very worried about removing them because it sounds like pain's your only thing. I would only symptom, I would exhaust other options um, first. Can you go in another room? What? Can you go in another room, please? Wait, is your thing gone? Yes. What thing? Okay, this is regarding breast enlargement. This is another question. Um, sorry, I'm nice. yeah. um, Thank you, Freddie. Um, sorry, I'm not very well, is it? Uh, right, next question, which I'm going to type in here. Now here. Uh, what is the likelihood of having to go under more surgery in the future, bearing in mind I'm only 22 and haven't had children yet? Uh, further. Oh, jeez, sorry. Um, Further, okay, I need to put another. Right. So, good question there. Thank you for that. Uh, likelihood of further surgery with breast implants. Right, I'm going to ask that question. You know what? Last week I was so set up, I had all these questions typed in, and then the thing didn't work. Well, it didn't work this week either, but on my laptop now, I don't even notice that. Oh, geez, give us my implants wrong. Um, question mark. Can we get a smiley face in? So we can. Not sure if a smiley face is appropriate, but. Um, it's in. Um, what's the likelihood of having to undergo more surgery in the future? Bearing in mind, I'm only 22 and I haven't had children yet. There is a high likelihood of you having to go for, under further surgery uh, if you are having implants age 22 um, and you haven't had any children. And um, yeah, high likelihood is the answer. So I would say you should plan to have another, at least another surgery, maybe two, maybe three, maybe more. And that is the problem with breast implants. We're doing loads of things. We're trying to, well, we're not doing loads of things, but you know, always looking for ways of doing alternatives. Fat grafting is a great alternative because it's natural and you don't need any further surgery and what have you. But it's really subtle results, I find. So, um, so fat grafting is not quite there yet because obviously, if you're worried about having further surgery, fat grafting would be brilliant. Take some fat out somewhere and put it in your breast, and you know that's it for you for life. But um, it is not quite there yet, and um, that background is not good, is it? You got all my boxes, and um, so at the end of the day, all, what we've got is implants, and the chances are you probably will need further surgery if you've got implants in. The reasons you might need further surgery is if your implants uh, rupture, obviously. Um, but that is less likely than you would think, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people worry about them rupturing because these days they're made of cohesive gel or they're form stable. So even if the shell fails, they keep their shape. So actually rupture is less of a problem because it can rupture. It's got silent rupture. You don't even know it's ruptured um, because it doesn't affect the shape of the breast or what have you. Um, so uh, rupture is less of a problem. Probably the biggest problem, I guess, is capsular contracture. Um, the other problems you get is rippling and um, infection, but infection will only be early on. Uh, particularly if your weight changes, your breasts can change. Because if you lost a lot of weight, you might get rippling of the implants. But I guess the big one is capsular contracture, hardening of the implant. 
I normally say it takes about five or 10 years for that to happen. And if that happens, you might want to have the change changed. Now, I've got to say, the woman who had their first implants in 55 years ago, whenever it was, um, I still got them in. So you don't have to have the implants changed. They're probably really hard, but you don't have to have them changed. But for people thinking, especially you, you're 22 years old, you're thinking of having surgery, I would say in five or 10 years, they might start to go hard and you might want to have them changed. As I say, you don't have to have them changed, but you might want to have them changed. The problem with changing them is once you change them, that's a bigger operation than the first operation. It's more expensive than the first operation and it creates more scarring because you kind of cut out all the old scar tissue around the implant and put new implants in. And so another capsule or another scar tissue form have the second lot of implants quicker than it did the first. So you want to leave it as long as you possibly can before considering having your implants change. Um, so so um, that is probably the thing, but you were, you know, if you're 22, you're probably going to need more, more implants. So then you can think about things and then you have to talk about the risks of implants and the, and the complications with implants um, because um, you got the polyurethane implants, which are much less likely to go hard. Is that a better, is that a better look? How does that look? Um, and you've got uh, textured implants, which are less likely to go hard than smooth implants, but then you've got your ALCL, which is a type of cancer associated with implants. Um, and there's no cases of ALCL with smooth implants, but the risk of capsular contracture is higher. So, um, oh man, it's a nightmare. So yeah, there's a lot to consider really. If you're 22 and you think of having implants, there is a lot to consider. I wouldn't take it on likely. Um, likely, unlikely, likely. So yeah. Lots to think about. Yeah. Something to think about there. Does this look ridiculous? The mic down here. Um, get it all set up. Set up. Right. Um, next question. Is that all right, that question? What are the risk complications associated with tummy tucks? Broad question. Broad question. We'll answer it. Uh, risks, or is it risks or complications? Risks of tummy tucks. That's inappropriate. That's an appropriate face. face. Appropriate face. Um, okay. So, um, all surgery has risks. All surgery has everything has potential downsides associated with it. Um, do I need to hold this? Does it, is the audio okay when that's over there? Testing, 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 testing. Is the audio okay like this? Or do I need to hold this? Position one? Position two. Um, I'm gonna try position two for a while. Uh, so the risks of tummy tuck. So the risks can be associated with the risks of the tummy tuck itself. So specific to the operation and general risks. So the risk of general of any surgery. Tummy tucks are usually done under a general anesthetic. They're very safe general anesthetics, but there are risks associated with anesthetics. You can um, both okay. Um, they can. Um... Oh, hold it! Sarah's saying hold it. Um, tummy tucks can, uh, can uh, so there's general associated uh, general anaesthetic, uh, you can have an, uh, a reaction to the drugs they use in the anaesthetic, 
Um, you can get things like DVTs, clotical eggs that can fly up into your lungs. Uh, these are risks <clears throat> with any anesthetic or any, any, any operation. Uh, it's a little bit higher with the tummy tuck because you're making the tummy tight. So the venous drainage from the legs, the blood flow back from the legs is less. So you're more likely to get clots in your legs and clots in your legs can fly up into your lungs. And that's a serious uh, complication. That's a significant problem. So we do a lot of things to reduce that risk. And uh, we try and get you up and walking as soon as possible. That's, that's probably the big one, really. That's a really big worrying risk, really, of a tummy tuck is the, um, is the clots in the legs. So we put stockings on. We put these things called Floatron boots on, which blow up your calves. We give you heparin injections to thin your blood. And the most importantly, we get you moving as soon as possible. And when you're not moving, I'd say to you when you're, when you're in your bed, keep your legs moving, your ankles moving, keep all that blood circulating. So that's that's probably the biggest risk, really, of a tummy tuck. But, but as I say, that is a risk of any operation, although it's slightly higher with a tummy tuck. Um, uh, you can get chest infection, pneumonia, um, problems with, with any sort of surgery. Not quite so much with this sort of surgery because usually it's on fit young patients who are usually pretty motivated and they get up quite quickly and get up walking, get up and moving um, quite quickly. So then you've got these specific risks of the tummy tuck. And the first thing I say to people with the tummy tuck, well, with any surgery is scar. Scar's not a risk, but it's a thing that you have to be, it's a, what was the other thing, risk stroke complications. It's not really a complication. It's a, you know, it's going to happen, but you have to be aware of it. And it's a long scar with a tummy tuck. And there's also usually one around the belly button, certainly for a full tummy tuck. So, um, so, you know, the scar is one thing, is a is a risk, I suppose. Uh, well, no, it's not a risk, but it's a thing that you have to be aware of. Uh, usually pretty red to start off with, usually fades pretty well, but it can take a year or so to, for it to properly fade. So that's a thing that you have to be aware of. Um, you can also get uh, dog ears, little bumps at the end of the scar, which uh, usually settle, if, but if they don't, you can uh, fix them. But uh, you have to leave it a few months because they often do settle on their own. But if they don't settle, you can fix them usually be done under a local anaesthetic. So that's a sort of, that's a risk. Um, in terms of complications, you can get uh, a hematoma, blood collecting inside, means it all balloons up. I do about to theatre and have it washed out. That can happen whether or not you use drains, and there's a lot of talk whether you use drains or not with tummy tucks, but whether or not you use drains, you can get a hematoma. So just because you use drains doesn't mean you're not going to get a hematoma. You can get a hematoma either way. Uh, usually happens in the first day or so after the surgery, all balloons up, and you have to go back to theatre and have it washed out. It's not a massive problem. It's not very nice because you have to go back to theatre, but it doesn't affect the long-term result. Um, the other thing is seroma, which is sort of watery. So hematoma is blood collecting, and that happens in the first day or so after theater, uh, after surgery. Seroma is watery fluid. It's like wound fluid, which can collect in the space where you've done the tummy tuck. Um, oh, that's nice. Those lights have gone off. Um, and um, seroma is a bit of a nuisance, really. It's not a big problem it's water slushing about uh, sloshing about in your tummy and if that happens you might have to put a needle in and, and or we would put a needle in and, and draw it off with a needle um, and sometimes that needs to be repeated so it's a bit of a nuisance but it's not a major issue you can get problems with the wound healing so uh, obviously the whole point of a tummy tuck is to make it as tight as a drum you want to make it really tight to give you a really nice um, contour to your abdomen but when you're closing wounds tight there's a risk that they can open up a bit so you might get little bits of wound healing problems quite a lot of dissolvable sutures in there sometimes you get little spots and little localized inflammation areas where the uh, dissolvable sutures are so that's um that's a potential risk and um particularly in smokers to the extent that if you're a smoker and you can't stop smoking i would say don't have a tummy tuck because whenever you smoke you reduce the blood supply to the skin and you reduce the risk of wound healing 
uh, you reduce your chances of adequate wound healing and so you've got a risk of a, a problem because it's under such tension when the wound does break down it can break down really badly and the only really bad wound breakdowns i've ever seen are been in smokers so i would advise you if you can't stop smoking to not have a tummy tuck it's that bad um other risks or complications unhappy with the result as i say if it's too tight you get wound breakdown if it's not tight enough you might say it's not tight enough there's a bit of uh, redundant skin there that's a risk um, i mean we're trying to give everyone the best result we possibly can but there's always risks that you know we either do it too tight or not tight enough um oh look at that um oh what's oh god i'm using the wrong wrong thing oh what's that oh thanks thanks deb um so um yeah so oh, no, I'll get from there. so um yeah sometimes the scar settle settles all right um so sometimes it works out well but yeah those are those are the risks of tummy tucks i suppose um so not insignificant again it's quite a big op got to really think about it whether it's right for you but it's um you know pretty informed of the risks versus the benefits all about the risks and benefits which ways it go you know if the risks are higher than the benefits then it's not a goer but if the risks if the benefits are outweighing the risks then it might be a goer um so yeah good question doing well doing well doing well next question what is aftercare is included are there guarantees regarding surgery big question um, um the aftercare aftercare guarantees a bit really. um right so this is a big question and what yeah and i always tell people to um think about this because a lot of places will say you got a guarantee or you know aftercare for 10 years or five years or lifetime or whatever but you've got to think what's included so basically the things that you've got to look at are um the sort of coming to the clinic and talking to the doctor talking to your surgeon um the having surgery so that obviously if you're worried you want to come and talk to the doctor about this about your problem about your worry then you then you've got your surgery having having surgery it's going to incur costs so how long are you covered or guaranteed in terms of that and then if you have got implants if it is a breast augmentation i don't know what this is but then obviously if there's implants or devices the get the devices will have a, a guarantee on them or aftercare so those are the things that you really got to think about in your own mind and, and um, be comfortable in your own mind that you are being looked after so i'll talk in general terms not as much with what we do but in general terms what you've got to look out for if you're thinking of having something done um so after seeing the surgeon um sometimes people will charge for follow-up appointments um some doctors charge for follow -up appointments um we tend to bundle it all in the price of the of the op so you don't pay any consultation fees after surgery <clears throat> or before surgery you come back and see the consultant as often as you want it's all included at any time ever you know you come back three years later four years later in fact even if you come back for another 
a different procedure. So if you come for a tummy tuck and you want to talk about breast implants in a year or five or 10 years, we don't charge for a consultation fee uh, if you're a current patient of ours. So uh, but so that's one thing you've got to think of. If you're going to have a, you know, particularly if you have a problem, you have to come back every week. You're going to have to be paying £100 every week to come and see the surgeon sort of thing. It's going to be a bit of a bit of a bind. But um, Or if you have a, you know, just a bit of a lumpy scar or problem with with something in a year or two years are you going to have to pay to see the surgeon to, to chat about it number one uh, number two is implants i know i said implants third but i'll talk about implants now because a lot of people say i've got a 10-year guarantee and stuff but that's just the implants often so all the implants we use got a lifetime guarantee a lot of implants nowadays have a lifetime guarantee not all of them but a lot of them do um, but then you gotta think what does that cover because it usually covers rupture so the guarantee usually covers rupture. As I said a minute ago, rupture is normally not as much of a problem as capsular contracture. So it doesn't always cover capsular contracture. Some companies cover capsular contracture. Some companies don't. Um, some companies. So when I say that they give you a lifetime warranty against capsular contracture or rupture, that just means they'll give you a new implant. They won't pay for you to have it put in. So you've got to think, you know, that's not that helpful because the implant's only a few hundred pounds. And so... Um, some implants will give you both. Uh, some warranties will cover both implants. Um, some will just give you one. So obviously, if you want to have the other one changed, if it's been 15 years, you want to have the other one changed. Some will allow you to have a size change. Some won't. Um, some will give you money towards the hospital costs. Usually, if it's a, a rupture, they will give you some money, thousand <clears throat> dollars or something. Usually, towards the hospital costs. Um, others don't. Um, but then the ones that don't usually cover capsular contracture. So there's always a bit of a trade-off between the warranties. So the warranties are all, it's a bit of a minefield and it's a bit confusing. I think that's why you find a lot of people would just use the same implants because they sort of know what their warranty of the implant they use is because it's hard to know what the warranty of Allegan and Mentor and Nagor and goodness knows what, Polytech and, you know, um, all the companies have all got different warranties. Um, so... Yeah, some will just give you an implant, some will give you money towards the implant, some will cover capsular contracture as well as um, rupture. Uh, so that's the implant thing. And then the surgery um, is probably the big one. I think when people talk about, oh, D, can you clarify what your aftercare covers with implants? Well, our aftercare here, uh, specifically with the implants, we, well, not here, no, no. Uh, we tend to use uh, Nagor or um uh, Polytech uh, can use it any if you want a different make we can use a different make but um, Nagor cover capsular contracture and rupture um, uh, for, for life so they cover both for life but they don't give you any money so they only give you the implants you have to pay for the hospital costs Polytech cover uh, rupture for life uh, they don't cover capsular contracture it's, I don't know why because Polytech use polyurethane implants which you've got a lot less risk of capsular contracture so i wish they would cover it but they don't anyway um but the risk of it is less but the good thing the other well the thing about polytech is that they cover you for two years they will um you'll have the hostel costs covered so talking about oh, my, my, my rambling a bit i hope i'm not so the next thing you've got to think about is the hospital costs so that's just the implant they give you an implant so what are you covered in terms of the hostel cost so say if you have polytech implants they have a uh, well, it's not Polytech, it's Q Medical, who are the UK distributors of Polytech, uh, offer a, um, a guarantee or a warranty, which is covers you for two years. And that will mean that they will give you um, money towards the hostel costs. Uh, it's £1,500 per breast, 
we tend to just let's say that you're covered so if, if it's more than that we cover it but um basically means that you're covered for any surgery within two years of having the operation that means if they're not sitting right if they're sitting too high too low you know not quite sitting right or if you get a serome or if you get a problem basically if they rotate the teardrop um so that's polytech but then the hostels have a sort of warranty so the hostel it varies between hostels so you have to check with the hostel so with the two hostels we use are bmi priory and parkway spire parkway bmi priory and edge baston covers you for six months parkway and solihull covers you for 12 months that means if in six months or 12 months you have a problem all the hostel costs are covered you can have a you can have the if they're sitting too high or too wide or if you have a dog ear say if you have a tummy tuck you've got a dog ear like a little bump at the end of the scar or you get a seroma and you need to have it drained or a hematoma to go to the theater or um, anything like that they will cover you so you don't have to pay any of the costs but if you need surgery after six months or 12 months depending on which hostel you will have to pay the surgical costs the hospital costs see it's even hard for me to explain i don't i'm not sure if i've explained that well but um it's a bit it's not as clear as i think sometimes people just like saying oh five-year warranty oh great i'm sorted for five years and you realize you just come for the implants you know but um it's important to clarify i don't know if i've clarified it very well there uh, d i hope so um but it is a thing in the warranty i think that's something that um is yeah Happy to clarify that better if I haven't done very well there. So um, what we've got to go on now is after losing weight, do I need to wait for, for a while before looking at getting my breasts done? BBA stroke mastopexy. Um, um, so good question do i need to wait after losing weight what wrong there it's the AI. do i need to wait after losing weight So, can I upload a picture for a friend? She's worried about her boob uplift. I don't know, Hamida. Can you upload a picture? Give it a go. Give it a go. This is going, we're getting interactive now, aren't we? Give it a go, Hamida. I'm happy to have a look at an uplift uh, photo um, if you would like me to. And if you can upload it, I'll look out for it. Um, in the meantime, uh, we'll ask about waiting and wait, waiting with weights. I'm not sure how I get a picture you. Oh, um, nor am I, Hamida. Um, can you put a picture on? On the... you could always direct message if you want, Hamida, and I'll do it afterwards. If you want, if you people, do people sometimes do that? I do see, or you can email it to us info at stianoplasticsurgery.co.uk. Well, I've got to say, Hamida, if you're fr if I'm assuming it's not my patient, uh, if it's my patient, then obviously, definitely, um, you know, she comes to the clinic and I see it. If it's not my patient, I would always can I have your name, uh, Jonathan is my name. Um, if it's um, if it's um, I would always say go back to your surgeon, 
is always best. Really. Um, on my PC. Um, so my PC's in battery saver mode. That's good, isn't it? It's going well, this. Um, so do I need to wait after losing weight? Um, yes, it's always good to be stable with your weight. Um, so that is always a good thing to be stable. Ideally, I mean, certainly when you're in the NHS, they want you to wait um, about uh, six months or 12 months to have a stable weight, because if you change weight after having surgery, you can affect the results of the surgery, especially if you're having a breast implants with a lift, which is what this patient's talking about. So breast implants with a lift is a big op. Um, it's quite a big deal. You make your skin really tight with a lift. You make it tight with the implants. Implant breasts up here. But if you lose weight afterwards, you might lose not only volume in your breasts, so you might get the weight, you might get the size perfect for your body as it is now. But then if you go on to lose more weight, then they might be too small. Or if you if you um, if you put on weight, they might get bigger. So they can change if you um, if you change weight afterwards. So it's always best to be stable and comfortable if, with your weight. Um, particularly Donna Hamida, I've seen your email, uh, your message. I will answer in a minute. So I'm just um, <laughs> trying to lose it. Um, uh, so Donna, just if you gain weight after a tummy tuck, what are the risks of developing loose skin again? The problem, uh, Donna, is not so much gaining weight; is gaining and losing weight. So gaining weight is fine because you just put on weight. It's fine. <clears throat> the problem is when you gain weight, you stretch the skin. And as long as you stay with that weight, that's fine. But if you lose weight, so if you gain it and then lose it, the skin might not recoil. So you could spend thousands of pounds on a tummy tuck and, you know, and then you could have loose skin again. So there's a chance of that if your weight fluctuates, which is why it is good to be stable with your weight, whether you're having a breast lift and implants or a tummy tuck, any sort of body contouring, tightening procedure. When we do the surgery, we make it as you know good as we can for your current situation, for your current weight. If you change your weight in any way, as I say, putting on weight or losing weight, or we're still putting on and losing, you know, doing them both, that might affect the result. It might not. I mean, I'm not saying it's definitely going to affect the result, but it might affect the result. And so that's something to think about, something to consider. So it's always best to be stable, ideally six to 12 months stable. Um, certainly in the NHS, they have criteria for it in the private sector. They have, well, certainly we don't have a criteria for it saying that you have to have a six month, you know, documented stable weight. Not, it's not as strict as that. But I think in general terms, I would say to you, if you want the best result possible, you're better being stable and comfortable and happy with your weight. And that's realistically a weight that you can be stable at um, before having surgery. Um, so, um, yeah, so Hamida, Freddy, can you bring my, my battery, my charger for my computer? It's by the sofa in there. <laughs> um, right. It's by the sofa, Fred. It's plugged in next to the light. So, um, yeah, gloss over that. I'm sure we can edit that out. Um, you're welcome, Donna. So yeah, you don't, after a tummy tuck, you don't want to put on and lose. You want to be stable, ideally. Um, so sorry, Hamida's got some questions here. Um, can I have your name, Jonathan, you've done that. Yes, she two weeks post-op and same different. 
Thing gefunden. Ähm, voilà. Hopefully that's not here. What is that? What is that? It's next to the sofa where the where you're sitting. Um, Um, so, my email is uh, Hamida, my email, info, I-N-F-O, info, at stianoplasticsurgery.co.uk, or you can go to the website, or you can direct message me on the Facebook. Um, different shaped breast, and we're nipple sitting. Yeah, I mean, Hamida, I think probably it's, I'm going to, if you think it doesn't look right, I'm probably going to say it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it's probably not right, uh, so you're, I think it's always good to go with your surgeon. I'm happy to give you an opinion, but I think it's always best to talk to your surgeon about nipples not sitting right. And did you say two weeks? I wouldn't worry too much if it's two weeks. Did I say that? I think it was quite soon, wasn't it? Two weeks, yeah. Two weeks, I wouldn't worry too much about it, Amida. I'd give it time to settle. Um, Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> Where is it? Where the big light's touching the sofa? Just there. Which light? That one over okay, there. Don't worry, Fred. It's all right. That one over there. No. Ready? It's that okay. One over there. Yeah, it's only been two weeks, so that's all right. Thank you. So um, is there anything to minimise um, bruising or swelling after breast implant? Um, minimise bruising. After breast implant. Right. Um, so, so, not going. Um, my wife's not here, so I'm the sole responsible adult here, and I'm not doing a very good job of it. I think you can clearly see that. Um, the battery's running out of battery. My Computers running out of batteries. I haven't got the thing up. We'll just type that thing in, and it's and it's gone. What was it? Bruising, swelling, after resting one. So, group. So, um, question is, what brew minimizing bruising? Have it your way, computer. See what I care. If you don't want to type it in, don't type it in. Fine. I'll just say it, right? Okay. Minimize sw swelling or bruising after breasting implant. I'm a professional and I, I'm trained to cope with these situations. I don't like that fuse box up there, so I'm going to do that. Okay. What can you do? To minimize bruising and swelling after breast augmentation. Um, I don't think you get that much bruising or swelling after breast augmentation. Well, swelling you do actually. Bruising is not normally a big thing. Sometimes you get a bit of bruising in the in the sort of uh, in the in the area like sort of cleavage with a bit in between the uh, breasts, uh, but it's not a major thing really. So, to be quite honest, don't tend to do a great deal for it because it's not a great thing. It's not a big thing um but if you are worried about bruising and things there are things you can do you can do heat, heat and cold and there's this thing called high low care or 
heliotherapy. It's a it's a cooling thing, cooling bra and all that sort of thing. People do after facelifts and that stuff for the swelling and what have you. But as I say, I don't find that bruising is a massive thing. Swelling is a thing. You do get brute swelling. So what I normally do is suggest you wear a supportive bra and it's good to wear that day and night for a month. So that does help with the swelling. It does hold back the swelling. Um, so I think that is good. Um, people do use... Um, I'm messing with the microphone now. I'm not messing with the microphone, Jeremy. I'm trying to... I'm trying to there. Leave it alone. I'm trying to be professional. Leave it there. Right. So, um, swelling is a bit of a thing. And uh, so the, the, um, the bra, I think, helps with that. And people talk about using hot and cold ice packs and... Ice packs and um, heat hot water and things like that, but I always say be careful with those things because if you have had just had a breast augmentation, your um, um, sensation might be altered. So you can actually burn the skin both with hot and cold. You can burn the skin, so you've got to be a bit careful using um, using hot and cold on it. If you are going to use ice, obviously wrap it in a in a, in a kitchen towel or something wrap the frozen peas in the kitchen towel because you don't want ice directly on the skin piece so I, I normally actually say steer away from it if it's really swollen or really uncomfortable and you find it soothing to use heat or cold you can but just be a bit careful that you can potentially burn the skin because if you just had a breast augmentation the sensation might be altered so that is something to think about um so do you use drains for your surgery on tummy tucks or drainless? What do you consider best? I read that drains can carry more risks. Good question, Donna. Um, um, Going to get my charge up. I'll answer that question just quickly. Um, so yes i do use drains donna i do use drains um i do, do still use drains um i think uh, drains are good i know people don't like drains people don't like drains um i think they are good for tummy tucks so close the dead space. Having said that, we are all moving away from drains. There's nothing. We are moving away from drains in most operations. And um, tummy tucks is pretty much the only one that I use that I use drains in. Um, tummy tuck is is pretty much the only one that I do still use drains in. Although I am trying to move away from it and quilting and what have you. So um, people used to use glue, and well, I think they still do use glue. And I worried about the glue. I think quilting is a better idea. So stitching the space down, so it's sort of 
and pockets. So what I'm currently doing is quilting and drains, but I might move away from using drains, watch this space, but I do still use them. Uh, whether drains can carry more risks? Yeah, I mean, probably the big risk of drains is pain. People don't like them because they're painful, but um, I guess it's a tube going into the body, so you can get um, thank you. You can get infection uh, when you've got a drain in and things like that because it's a bit of plastic, so you, you, know, you don't want to have a bit of plastic in if you don't have to. Um, it's not. It's a bit more of a worry with implants and breasts and things like that. But in tummy, it's still you know it's still a bit of plastic and um, foreign body. But you normally only have them in for a day or two. But um, two days. But yeah. The Donna, the problem is there's there's two camps, and if you look at most plastic surgeons when you go to meetings, who use drains, who doesn't, like 50-50. Um, and so who's right, you know? Because if one was right, the other one will be wrong. So 50, you know, a load of plastic surgeons. So there's no right or wrong, and it's just what people have got experience in, but I think you will see it moving more away from drains, and I think we are um, gonna go, be going that way, but at the moment, still use drains can't yeah it's like the fact that a suction drain is closing down that space to reduce the risk of seroma and what have you because it's got a very low risk of seroma in my practice so um, that's why i still use them good question there thank you um i think that went well the uh, getting the, getting the uh, charger getting the, um So, oh, here we go, that's working. So, would you use quilting instead? Yes, instead. So, do use quilting, uh, Sarah. Oh, look at you, Sarah. You're uh, you're up there with the terminology quilting. Hmm? Yes. Uh, so, basically, use quilting and drains at the moment um, but the people are saying that you use quilting instead of drains um, as i say a while ago talking about using glue to stick down the thing and i just worry that glue will be strong enough so now we're talking about quilting which we used which we always did in the flat dorsi donor sites at the back when we took a breast reconstruction um, quilting was common then but now quilting down tummy tucks um, there's a few things to be aware of when you're doing quilting sutures for the tummy tuck you have to do them in a certain way so you don't split the wound open you're actually helping yourself to close the wound so there's a few technical things about quilting but um so currently using quilting and drains um but it might be that as we start seeing less and less in the drains we'll start saying right we're just going to use quilting and no drains that might be the natural um progress but yeah at the moment quilting and drains um so uh, yeah, um, after losing weight on that minimize swelling, what kind of help will I need during my recovery? It's a bit open. Um, I think for basically, um, got um, Sarah now who's doing videos, videoing stuff, um, and I want her to do more um more um videos seeing people after their surgery to see how they oh what's that sorry i'm not sure if that's the correct emoji what is that emoji 
I'm crying. Sorry, I didn't mean crying off. Um, Um, I want to show people what people are like. So I think a lot of people think that people after surgery are sort of really debilitated. They're lying in bed and they can't move and they need to get someone to do their shoelaces up sort of thing. But um, I, I don't think it's as bad. I mean, obviously, it depends on what surgery. You can say, well, surgery, but let's just say, you know, the breast breast surgery, body control, and tummy tuck, that sort of, sort of stuff. I mean, they are quite big operations, but uh, and you are quite knocked back. You do feel tired, you do feel jaded, but you don't really feel sort of debilitated I think you'll still be able to do your shoelaces up and uh, you know potter around the house you're probably not going to want to cook a big meal and things like that but you'll be able to look after yourself um, yeah it is nice if someone's there to look after you but I don't think you absolutely need someone to look after you I think you'll be able to look after yourself you'll be able to wash and what have you it will be painful first certainly the first few days you will find it difficult to move and to get about and you're going to probably be confined to barracks. You're going to be staying at home and, you know, not doing a great deal. After the first week, you start to feel better and you maybe do some, do some work from home on the computer and stuff. But the first week, you probably will find it tough, but you should be able to, you know, cope and survive. Um, and if you've got some help at home, then so much the better. Um, again, the first few days, I think it's nice to have a bit of support, especially if it's a bigger op, like a tummy tuck or a breast reduction or something like that. So, um Sorry about the emoji. I don't think that's the one I meant to look different when I put it on. Um, here we go. Is there a difference between cosmetic and plastic surgery? Um, yes, there is a difference. So basically, the difference is cosmetic surgery. Um, doesn't exist. That's the difference. Cosmetic surgery does not exist. Plastic surgery um, exists. Plastic surgery is a um, is a specialty, is a surgical specialty um, of its own right. Um, you go through training. You go to. You become a surgeon. You um, you become you then do six years of specialist training. They do general surgical training to get your FRCS, Fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons, or MRCS, Member of the Royal College of Surgeons, and then you go on to do specialist training in a specialty, in order to become a specialist. So when you are having treatment in this country, if you are having treatment in the NHS, you would be under a consultant. A consultant is a fully trained specialist. In the private sector, unfortunately, you don't have to be a fully trained specialist to treat people. In the NHS, your care has will always be under a consultant who will finish their training or be a fully trained specialist. In the private sector, it's not like that. If you would get treatment in one of the major private hospitals, Spire, BMI, um, Ramsey, Booper, not Booper, Nuffield, um, Winfield, anyway, I think there's, anyway, one of the big, private hospitals you have to be a fully trained specialist to work there if you get trained in a clinic or, a, or a, in not one of the major um, com private hospital com national private hospital companies you they can decide who they let work there so they may not insist that you are fully trained in order to prove someone's fully trained that it means they've held or have held an nhs consultant job if someone holds or has held a permanent NHS consultant job, then you can be pretty sure they're fully trained in a specialty. 
And the specialties are things like plastic surgery, general surgery, although general surgery sounds general, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a specific thing, usually bowel, like hernias and things, or breast, thyroid. And there's a subspecialty of general surgery, orthopedic surgery, ENT, um, cardiothoracic. There's, there's a few um, surgical e ophthalmology, you know, few surgical specialties that you can be trained in and you can become a specialist fellow with the Royal College of Surgeons. And then you get FRCS and then brackets, letters, plast for plastic surgery, orth for orthopedic surgery. Um, you know, in letters afterwards, what that training is in. There's no training in cosmetic surgery. There's no FRCS cosmetic. You know, that's not a thing. Cosmetic surgery is just what people call it. Surgery, you know, it's a subspecialty of plastic surgery, but a lot of other surgeons perform cosmetic surgery. ENT surgeons will do noses um, uh, and the ears, you know, prominent ears. Um, so lots of other surgeons will do, general surgeons will do breast. Um, the breast subspecialty of general surgeons. So lots of other surgeons will do cosmetic surgery, but they may not be plastic surgeons. That may not be a bad thing, because if they're an ENT surgeon, they might be okay to do rhinoplasty, you know, noses and things. Um, but they're not plastic surgeons, they're ENT surgeons. So the problem is a lot of people feel and think, uh, thanks Juni, they think that they are... Um, they are um, plastic, they think that they're plastic surgeons when they're not. And sometimes people will put um, FRCS gen, uh, no, not gen, that's general surgery, FRCS ing, ENG, or Ireland or Scotland or whatever, in brackets, but that just means that's where they got their FRCS. So you're looking for someone with FRCS and in brackets after their name, a spe uh, pla well, plast, if you're a plastic surgeon, P L A S T, um, sometimes P L A S. So, um, that means they're a plastic surgeon. If they haven't got FRCS plast, they are not a plastic surgeon. And if they've just got FRCS, they are not trained in anything. They haven't finished their training. They have just got general training. They haven't got specialist training. The other thing, you can look at the GMC website. If you know their hospital, if they know their GMC number, you can look at the um, GMC website and you will uh, see if they are on the specialist register. The GMC has a specialist register. So obviously all doctors are on the um, GMC, are registered with the GMC, you have to, that's after a year of qualifying, you become registered with the GMC, but it takes many, many years to become a specialist. And so the GMC have a specialist register. I think the problem with this country is this information is not that easy to find. Likes of hospital group use surgeons who are not specialist plastic surgeons. Thanks, Junie. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the problem is in this country, there's a lot of non-specialist plastic surgeons doing this sort of stuff. Plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery. They're either not specialist plastic surgeons, so they're other specialists, or they're not specialists in anything. A lot of people are not specialists in anything. Hold the bus. There's a lot of people who are not even tra trained in surgery. You don't have to be trained to do this stuff unfortunately a lot of doctors you know gps have got no specialist training in surgery um they could set up shop and start doing liposuction and doing goodness knows what else they want to be doing um so that is the problem that's why i've written my book got it in the background have you noticed that product placement hmm? never accept a lift from strangers That's why I've written my book, Never Accept a Lift from Strangers. Oops. Um, how to choose the best plastic surgeon for your cosmetic su breast surgery. 
Jonathan Stiano. That's me. See the letters there? FRCS Plast. See FRCS Ing. Oh, I can't get center. Um, so it is very scary. It is very scary, Deborah. It is. Um, so that is the problem with the uh, training that a lot of people call them themselves um, plastic surgeons or worst well not worse still cosmetic surgeons and cosmetic surgeon doesn't mean anything really it's just they're just using that term um, plastic surgeon is a thing and the problem is a lot of people who aren't plastic surgeons are still calling themselves plastic surgeons um, but that is excellent thanks Junie, Junie. Um, so Junie you've got a botched surgery support group <laughs> God, dear, oh dear. So that is the problem. The problem is a lot of people only realise this afterwards. They afterwards think, hold on a minute, he wasn't a plastic surgeon. Oh my God, he wasn't trained in anything. And he's a GP or he's a goodness knows what. He's an A&E doctor or something like that, you know. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty of plastic surgeons around. FRCS Plast is what you're looking for. That's what you want to make sure you've got a plastic surgeon. FRCS Plast, specialist register for plastic surgery. If you really want to get into it, go to the GMC website put in there um if they've got a funny name like me um you can just put in their name but if not then you can put in their gm uh, their gmc number we're all encouraged to share our gmc numbers four double one seven two one four that's my gmc number but um if you find a surgeon and you should be able to find his gmc number or her gmc number but yeah i guess the easy thing is frcs plast that's what you're looking for but that's a good question and it is a scary thing. It's a scary proposition, and it's a problem we've got. And because we all talk about it, we go to these meetings and all oh, legislation, and there should be a law about it, and we shouldn't let people not do this and that. I think get a law about it is a big deal for me. I think the more most important thing is to educate the public. That's why I do this sort of thing. That's why I've written the book. Um, just give it free. I think you can get it free from. Can you still get it free on Kindle? Um, I don't know, but it's. I'm trying to. If you come to the clinic, we'll just give you a copy of the book. Um, if you order it, I think we um, we um, do a posting and packaging. But if you come to the clinic, we'll just give you a copy. Just because I think it's up to us as fully trained surgeons to get the message out there to people so they can make an informed decision. As I say, there's nothing wrong with an ENT surgeon doing uh, cosmetic surgery or a general surgeon doing cosmetic surgery, as long as you know they're an ENT surgeon or a cosmetic uh, or a general surgeon or an A&E doctor or a whatever surgeon they are. Um, and then you can make a decision as to whether they, you know, still look at their qualifications and look at their patients and look at their, you know, their results. And if they're doing a good job, then that's fine. So, um, you know, that's, that's, so what's Junie saying here? Full of people conned by general surgeons abroad and in the UK. I've learnt my lesson, so to pass it on as many people as possible. I know, I know, I know. The problem is, Junie, they only find out afterwards because afterwards people do all this research and they think, hold on a minute, that person wasn't trained. But, you know, Junie, we have got, a, Shelley is a fan of yours. Your group is amazing. Keep up the good work, Junie, with your, with your group. Um, but yeah, you just, I think the, the easy, the problem is, and we talked about this at the last BARPS meeting, in America, you've got something called board certified. So if you go to any American websites, they all say, look for a board certified plastic surgeon, board certified, board certified. In this country, we haven't got something called, we should just call it board certified, but we, it's not called board certified. It's called FRCS Plast. And that doesn't sound as good, does it? Look for an FRCS Plast surgeon. doesn't sound as good. But um, that's what it is. FRCS Plast is what you're looking for. Someone who holds or has held an NHS consultant job. As I say, if you go to the BMI 
the uh, Ramsey, the Nuffield, the local private hospitals, they you can't work there unless you're fully trained in a specialty. Um, it may not be plastic surgery, but you're fully trained in plastics in a specialty. The problem is a lot of the companies, they have their own hospitals. And so if the company like the cosmetic chains, if they've got their own hospital and they can choose who they have there, so they don't necessarily have to have people who are um, up to the same level as an NHS consultant, so they can have people who aren't trained or are trained in other specialties. Um, but that's what we're up against. So, yeah, it's all about educating people so they can make an informed decision as to what's right for them. That's the bottom line. Um, that's what it's all about. So I was just getting my email up there to see if I got that... Um, to get it's got that photo um from hamida but i haven't i haven't got it yet hamida so i will look out for it on my email of your friend um and i'll put my oar in but i as i say it will mainly be is it going to junk no it's not going to junk it will mainly be um going to your um surgeon i would say hamida but i will definitely give her help and give my my opinion on it um oh sorry tracy oh god What's going on? I was about, you could tell I was about to leave then, couldn't you? What have I done? That's scary. I did see something. Question the Benelli or traditional? Good question. Look at that. We're getting technical now. Benelli. Where is that question? Jenny, here we go. You need that mic. Yeah. How similar? Hold on a minute. Donna's got in here. So would you how similar is the recovery on a tummy tuck to a C section? I will do the Benelli question in a minute, Tracy. Um, similar. It is similar, Donna. I normally I think it's similar. Um a C-section, they cut through muscle. Uh, a tummy tuck, you don't cut through muscle, though you might need to repair the muscle. So in that way, a C-section is worse because you cut through the muscle. But a tummy tuck, you're actually cutting skin out and closing under tension. Obviously, with a C-section, you're not cutting any skin out. It's not closed under tension. So in that way, a tummy tuck's worse. So I think on balance, it's about the same. I think they sort of... Oh, sorry, I should have I should put that question up. Oh, God. So on, on balance, I think they're about the same. I think they're, they're, you know, C-section is pretty bad because they cut through the muscle. Tummy tuck is pretty bad because you're cutting a tension out of the skin and you're sort of all crunched over. So it's, it's pretty similar. I do think it's bad when they cut the muscle. I think that is really painful when people, when you cut the muscle, every time you cough and everything, it hurts. Now, as I say, with the tummy tuck, you often have to repair the, or bring the muscles together, repair what we call the divarification of the rectus muscle. We bring them together. We don't actually cut them. We actually sometimes do suture them to bring the, the gap between them together. So that can be a little bit uncomfortable when you cough and everything. But it's not quite as bad as the C-section where they cut the, through the muscle. So I think pretty similar. Maybe tummy tucks a bit better. I don't know. But I think I would say pretty similar just to be safe. Sorry, Tracy, I missed your question. Benelli breast lift or traditional breast lift, what's best? Boom. Tracy, if one was best, they wouldn't. The other one wouldn't exist. So it's hard to say what's best. I will tell you what I think. In my view, personally, I don't like the Benelli. Tracy, I said it. I don't like the Benelli. So basically, uh, for the folks at home, what we're talking about here is a breast lift. So a breast lift, the nipple goes from a low place to a high place. So you move the nipple. There's lots of different ways you can do a breast lift. A lot of the things, certainly for patients, what they worry about is the scarring. So the pattern of scarring is different for the different ways. Now, because you're moving the nipple, you pretty much always have to give a scar around the nipple because the nipple's being moved. So um, you can do it with just a scar around the nipple, which is the Benelli, which is like a donut mastopexy. So you take out a donut of tissue 
and then you just cinch it in so you make a big circle into a small circle a bit like when you do an areola reduction to cinch the skin in and tighten the skin um, and that just leaves a scar around the nipple no other scars which is great because i say around the nipple around the areola because that heals pretty well um, and the interface between the, especially if you've got quite a dark areola it can sort of fade in and you can't see the scar the problem with it so no so the next way you do it is you make a scar around there and a scar going straight down that means you can tighten skin in a, rather than just doing a, a bunching circumferential bunching you can make a straight line down lollipop scar they, they call it or a circumvertical where you can actually tighten the skin in this direction or you can get an inverted t where you tighten it this direction and that direction so increasing scarring so if you ask anyone what do you want they'd all say i want the least scarring please i'll just have well no scarring ideally but if we've got to have something i'll just have the one around the nipple thanks very much i don't want the others obviously they're going to say that but it's less you can take less skin out and it's less the the, the skin's off the the suit the scars often puckered and it sort of flattens the breast it doesn't give the breast good projection it flattens it and i don't think it goes in good shape and i don't particularly like it the only time i ever use it is in men who i'm going cutting skin out um, and i don't use it that often you know for a gynecomastia uh, sometimes if it was a tuberous breast deformity i might use it but very rarely usually i'll put that other scar in so the circumvertical to take out skin in a side to side direction now it does give that lollipop scar which is slightly more obvious because you've got a straight line going down but it's a much better shape and after, yeah, after all that's what you're having a surgery done you want to shape and in my hands i'm just saying what's in my hands some people out there are going to say oh i love doing benelli and i've got great results and look at these before and after photos well that's fine then we're all different um but in my hands i think the circumvertical and in fact i usually convert it to a small t so there's usually a little bit of extra skin at the bottom i convert it to a small t um or if there's a lot of skin a big t you know the more scarring the more skin you remove so the more of a lift you get so tracy my opinion on that is that uh, i think a uh, i don't personally think the uh, benelli lift gives as good a lift as the circumvertical stroke lollipop or inverted t um, so in my hands, I think the extra scarring is worth it to give you a better shape. But as I say, there are people out there doing Benelli. So, you know, they would argue against it. They would, I think they'd argue that you couldn't get as good a lift, but they would probably say you get, a, you know, an acceptable lift. And in some cases it's good, but, uh, you know, that's just me. I think that's, I think that's covered that one off. Um, right listen um if anyone's still there i really apologize about the um shambolic state of today's show um oh oh god what have i done what have i done tracy's had the benelli had the benelli i now have a bigger areola than before by far well the benelli relies on the cinching of the areola so it depends on how you cinch that areola down if you use a permanent suture fine but if you use a dissolvable suture it can it can recoil up and it can stretch because you take that donut out and all of the lift is on the is on that cinching of the skin so that's a risk of a benelli so yes tracy that is a risk with a benelli um so yeah sorry to hear that so you could have an areola reduction um with a with a maybe with a permanent suture to prevent that happening but then the risk of permanent sutures because if you feel the knot and all that sort of stuff you uh, you know you'll always be able to feel the knot if it gets infected so there's bad things about using a permanent suture but that is a risk when you're doing that donut because you're it's obviously closed tight and if you use a dissolvable suture it can ping out and uh, stretch so that's um 
Mariska Finelli. Oh, I hear about that. So yeah, I think that's that. I'd better go and um, look after my family now because um, I've um, neglected them until this point. So, oh God. Um, turn that off. Um, had the knot snipped. Oh, you had the knot snipped. Oh, because you felt the knot. Oh, so it was okay. So was it a permanent suture and you had it snipped? Is that what I mean? Swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Um, it's a funny old game, this surgery laugh. I tell you, it's difficult to know what to do. Um, try and do something, and then you do you snip the knot and areola stretches, and you know, cure one problem, create another. Funny old game. Um, always trying to do the best. I'm sure your surgeon's trying to do the best for you, Tracy, and will continue to do so. So, there are always things you can do. Those things will have risks and benefits, but uh, hopefully they'll try and see you through. So, um, good. So, yep. Yeah, so that is it. I'm I'm uh, I'm going to check out if that's okay. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Um, yeah. So I am uh, signing off and going to see what carnage is outside. Thanks for coming, and I will see you next week, Tuesday at 7 o'clock. I'm looking forward to it already. Any questions, email, text, and text, you can text, Facebook, Twits, whatever, you know, get them in, get them in, loving it. Rachel, listen, thank you, thank you. All right, check myself out. Bye. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.